Hey everybody, TK here. Just real quick before we jump into today's show. I've always wondered who are the founders actually listening to Sass and Scotch. And I'm sure you're wondering who are the other founders listening to Sass and Scotch. This show has been growing and it's been awesome to see. So we now have a Sass and Scotch founders community. It's completely free. And inside of that community, you can go in, you can comment on every episode, you can ask questions, you can chat with me, you can meet other founders that are actively going through the Shawshank crawl. It's powered by my friends over at Pod Hero. I'm super excited about it. So just follow the link in the show notes to join our community. I want to hear from you. Ask your questions. Put a yes if you're getting value from this. And let's connect in there. All right, now on to the show. I think there are a lot of metrics that founders need to really uh, understand when they're developing their go-to-market. I think ramp time is an interesting metric that we absolutely help companies dramatically reduce the amount of time it takes your salespeople to be productive. But there are other metrics that are equally as important. Attainment. What percentage of your salespeople are hitting quota? People come to us for the ramp problem. I think we, we tend to solve the attainment problem more, just like you just said. I know you for ramping and onboarding, but yeah. when you dig into it, you start asking yourself, how many salespeople do you have? Oh, you got 50 salespeople. How many of them are actually hitting quota? Two. Okay, <laughs> you don't really have a ramp problem. You have an attainment problem. Yeah. Welcome to Sass and Scotch. I'm TK, founder at Unstoppable. On this podcast, I talk about the two things I love the most, Sass businesses and Lagerville and Scotch. On today's episode, we have Eli Cohen joining us, CEO of Saleshood. We'll be digging into his founder story, the incredible work he's doing at the intersection of Sass and sales, which is near and dear to my heart. So I'm so excited to have you, Eli. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is great to be here. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for all the great work you do in the industry as well. Thanks, man. So I want to dig into how you got into this. But first, for everyone on the show, Saleshood, if you're talking to grandma at Thanksgiving, how do you explain what Saleshood does? Great. I, Saleshood is all about helping companies make their salespeople great. We help companies boost the productivity of their sales organizations by getting salespeople to learn faster to coach each other and to sell more effectively. SaaS platform, and we're all about boosting the productivity. What CEO on the planet isn't interested in getting more out of their sales teams and out of their sales reps? Everyone, so we're solving a mission critical problem. We love it. That's awesome. So I got a, I got a funny story for you. you. You probably don't remember this. The first time we met, at least as far as my memory goes, we were at a sales hacker conference. And I have something to admit, when I started Tout App, I was more an engineer and I didn't know as much about sales. And so I was trying to devour in as much as I could learn about sales. Cause I was like, I built a product that salespeople loved and I was trying to catch up on just everything else. And remember I was at the sales hacker conference. First time we met was you came over and it wasn't even a normal meeting. You shook my hand and you gave me your book and you're like, you need this. And you walked. I think you walked back to your desk and I'm like, how did he know? Is it that obvious that I don't know enough about sales? And that was like our first interaction and like we're in the same space and everything. And it was a right. That's, that's funny. I think uh, it happens a lot, right? I think 
folks want to learn more about sales, founders want to learn more about sales, and specifically, sales enablement is what fuels sales. And so for us at Saleshood, we're all about sales enablement, helping salespeople be great. I love that story, and thank you for that. <laughs> so great. the thing that I think a lot of founders, especially B2B SaaS founders, and that's pretty much our entire audience, the one of the hardest things you learn about the business is ramp time for reps. The challenge is not even like hiring. The challenge is not even the sales motion, all that. It's just literally going beyond being the founder that sells to hiring your first 10 reps and sitting around waiting that hopefully the training sticks and the reps actually ramp to being able to sell a deal on their own. And it sounds like that's like what you guys are really about when you think about sales. That's at least how I've thought of you guys. Does that sound right? right? I think there are a lot of metrics that founders need to really uh, understand when they're developing their go-to-market. I think ramp time is an interesting metric that we absolutely help companies dramatically reduce the amount of time it takes for salespeople to be productive. But that means different things to different companies. I think productivity can mean time to first deal. It can mean time to second deal. It can mean time to ramp quota. It can mean time to full quota. So ramp is a category of a metric that is critical. You're so right. But there are other metrics that are equally as important. Attainment. What percentage of your salespeople are hitting quota? I think we, we tend to solve the attainment problem more. People come to us for the ramp problem, just like you just said. I know you for ramping and onboarding. But yeah. when you dig into it, you start asking yourself, how many salespeople do you have? Oh, you got 50 salespeople or you have 20 salespeople. Yeah. How many of them are actually hitting quota? Two. <laughs> okay, you don't really have a ramp problem. You have an attainment problem. Yeah. And so I think ramps one lever, attainment's another. And then what fuels both are things like win rates and sales cycle time. And so really, if you look at all that, it's about speed. Yep. How do you get teams? How do you get companies to get to revenue faster? And that's what sales is about. And as a founder, I think we all care about speed. How do we go to market faster? How do we close deals faster? How do we get our new hires ramp faster? And then how do we, it's speed, speed. And, yep. and so that's a, it's a interesting observation and it's a great question. I want to dig more into what Saleshood does, the business, but let's talk a little bit around how you got into operating Saleshood as a B2B SaaS business. Like, what were you doing before? And I know you have a deep history. You wrote, like, as I alluded to before, you literally wrote a book on selling. So you yeah. have a deep history in sales, and then you switched over to the software side. So tell us a little bit about how that came together. Sure thing. I think I'm just I'm from Toronto, and I moved to San Francisco about 20 years ago. And my my grandparents are Greek, Italian, Spanish, and Turkish. And my dad was born in Egypt, grew up in Israel, and he had a furniture store that uh, really gave me the entrepreneurial bug. And he taught me how to sell when I was a very young age. My father taught me how to sell low-end furniture. And so you fast forward, you fast forward 20, 30 years, and I had the, the urge to get closer to tech and Silicon Valley. I moved to San Francisco and worked at Oracle, worked at a startup, worked at Oracle. And then Salesforce came knocking. And I was so fortunate to uh, have the opportunity to work at salesforce.com in the hypergrowth years. This is right after they went public. And, but back then, Cloud was not sexy. CRM wasn't like it was, there was no tower, San Francisco tower on, on, in San Francisco. There was no Salesforce tower in San Francisco. Yeah. So it was, we were fighting an uphill battle. And so Salesforce hired me and, and I was maniacally focused on helping Salesforce improve the productivity of their teams. 
I took all the lessons I learned from my dad. I took all the product lessons I'd learned over the years and uh, all the sales process lessons I learned over the years, sales coaching. And I, and I became the person at Salesforce that was responsible for training, onboarding, coaching, certifying the global sales army that is Salesforce today. Yeah. And, and so that's 2005, 2006, 2007. And so I was initially hired at Salesforce as a product manager, and I actually built the partner portal product. Yeah, I've used the partner portal product. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the partner portal. It was a great thing. Now what happened was Benioff, we rolled it out super successful and Mark Benioff recognizes me at an all hands call. I remember this so vividly. It was an amazing moment. And he said, let's bring up Eli Cohen, best product launch ever in the history of Salesforce. Mark in his amazing way that he speaks, everything's the best, everything's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But he, he recognized me and that was kind of my first moment. And, and, he, and he promoted me on the spot. And he said, we're gonna promote Eli from products. He's now gonna be vice president of sales enablement. And my <laughs> face must've dropped. And uh, cause I didn't know what that meant. And so for the next six years, I was focused in on training, onboarding, messaging alignment, certifications. I was schooled by Mark Benioff and the Salesforce machine on how to boost the productivity, get reps ramped faster. How do we reduce sales cycle time? How do we close bigger deals? All those metrics, we were, driving into that on a regular basis. Now my team grew to 120 people. So yeah. just think about, like, I don't know how many founders are out there. You've got 10 or 20 reps. You don't have a team of people enabling it's on you. And at Salesforce, we had 120 people and, and it was hugely effective, but hugely inefficient. And, and I started realizing that, and I started looking, I need, we, there's gotta be a way to do this better. Isn't there a system? There's gotta be a system to enable salespeople. Isn't right. there something out there? There wasn't. Right. And so I started thinking and thinking, and then the right time came, right? After eight years, I had the itch and, and I saw a white space and an opportunity and I want to thank my wife. Her and I talked at length about it and, and I'd been fortunate, had a good run at Salesforce and thought, you know what? This is my time. 40 years old. Well, I'm 49 now. So I was 42 at the time. And I thought, I got to do this. I got to do this. And, and that's when I left Salesforce mm. and founded Saleshood. And, and the name is, a, is an amazing story as well. And, and I got introduced to my co-founder, Arthur Doe, and true partners in every sense of the word. We, he's a CTO. He's super accomplished. He worked under Jason at EchoSign. He was a founder of Fortify, and that was acquired by HP. So he also had a couple of great outcomes. And, uh, and we partnered up, yin and yang of founders, perfect partnership. We're like brothers. We've been together since the beginning, and we're still together. We're going along. And, and that's how we started the company. We had an idea, we had clear clarity of the problem that we were solving. And then we had the team, which was him and I, and then we got started. Let me stop there, TK. And what no, questions do you have? That, that, that's awesome. And I was literally looking at the sales hood, like profile and everything. And so did you start, you're, you're at Salesforce and Benioff literally is, you're awesome. And, but now go figure out this thing. And I think great leaders like Benioff are good at that. They recognize talent and they know to reallocate talent to nebulous problems. Because at that stage, like who really, like who really knew how to scale sales reps at the kind of scale that Salesforce was probably going into given their growth trajectory? It's so true. We were doing 20 to 30 people a month when I took it over. And then it was north of 100 people a month hiring. Yeah. A month. Yeah. And yeah, the scale was off the charts. I've heard stories where like salespeople were being stacked in hallways and stuff like, cause you are, you were hiring so fast. Like, we had San Mateo, we had one market street, we had 
transportation, moving people back and forth. We couldn't fit people in rooms. Yeah. Uh, that that two week boot camp, we used. I used to get calls Sunday night from RVPs and sales leaders around the world. Okay, well, I signed. I got two offers signed yesterday. Can you squeeze them in? <laughs> they didn't do the pre work. Come on, Eli. They'll they'll do it on, on in the morning. They got it. They got it. Okay, listen. What are you gonna do? Say no. Like you gotta let them in. Yeah. No. It was, it was crazy scale. So one of the things we talk about on this podcast and also my YouTube channel is fundamental need for starting a successful software company is domain knowledge. Mm -hmm. And you came from Oracle, Salesforce, you had your deep product background, then you got your sales chops down. And so you're going to go start Saleshood. At that very moment, you had this vision with your co-founder. Now, when you fast forward seven years, you're scaling the company. Like, Did the vision end up being, did it translate to what you thought it was going to be, or did it turn out to be something completely different? When Arthur and I met, and we got introduced by Matt Holleran as a, as another a VC in the area, and Matt had done a great job with me when I was at Salesforce. He he's sat a great down with VC. Me. He's a great. He's VC. great, and he's a great coach, a great mentor. I'm so grateful. He he would sit down with me in those first few weeks when I he'd say, "Hey, walk me through your pitch. Great, now go build the deck." And he guided me through. The, and then finally, when I got the deck and everything, and he said, "All right." Now, who's your Parker Harris? Who's your CTO? Who's your co-founder? Yeah. And I said, oh, you're right. And so I, so then a few weeks later, he made an intro and Arthur and I met for coffee, tea. And, and I share with him my background. I share with him the problem that we're solving. And I said, we're going to make salespeople great. And we're going to do it through collaboration, through pure coaching. We're going to use data. And I share with him the story. And, and we're going to build a sales enablement platform. And, and our vision is the same. We have not deviated from that very kernel of what we do to make salespeople great, sales teams great, and to make sales cultures great, ultimately with the aim of boosting productivity of teams. Nothing has changed. It's just everything took a lot longer. <laughs> everything took a lot longer. Isn't that so true? It's like the vision for the companies that make it and scale, it always ends up being the vision becomes like you, it, it becomes bigger and truer. But it always does take a little bit longer. Whatever you thought you were going to do in your three years, it ends up taking seven or whatever it is. And it's staying and power that makes the difference. We sat down and then we decided to go forward together. And then and they said, before we inked our partnership, we got in a room together and we whiteboarded. And yeah. uh, he said, all right, draw this vision for me. And so yeah. I, draw, I, I drew it out and, and I still remember that moment. And, and I had all these circles of flows. And so he goes, all right, what's the first thing we should build? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we're not, like, we got to build it. He said, no, what's the first thing we should build? And so yeah. I said, what's the biggest, most unique problem right now? Yeah. And I pointed to one thing. He goes, great. Now, he raised the boy, took a picture. He goes, now flush that out for me. <laughs> uh, and so that's why he's such a great co-founder. Took the vision, but then we went after very specific use cases that were unique in the market that would ultimately enable us to, to work with companies that were aligned with our vision. Because there are so many companies out there that were doing things that were like it. Like there's learning companies, there's content companies. Anyway, folks can do research and learn more about us. But, but that vision has kept us true yeah. and has kept the core of us. We, we were a sales enablement company from day one. We're all about boosting productivity and we are a sales enablement company today. Even though people come to us all the time, you know, your system can work for these use cases. Absolutely. But that's going to defocus us. When we become a hundred million dollar company, then we can start looking at the next uh, thing, but we're not a hundred million dollar company and yeah. uh, we got some ways to go. And so we're still solving a really big problem that is still not fully solved yet. So let's talk about saleshood. What stage were you guys in and how do you think about the business today? Yeah. Seven years. I think we're approaching 10 million in ARR 
And uh, so we're pushing That's awesome. towards that milestone. Yeah, I know we're close. And, and uh, we're about 70 employees and we're cash flow positive. And so I think we did not raise a lot of VC money. So Arthur and I decided from day one that we're going to try and go at this as long as we could. We were fortunate because we had clarity of thought on the problem that we were solving. We had customers that were willing to join us from day one. And so we had people paying to be in the beta. And so we were able to fund this with customer revenue from the beginning, which is not common and it's not common. So we have a lot of options right now, which is we're super grateful for. We are a you know cash flow neutral, cash flow positive company with with good growth, with high NPS, churn is in check, and and we're now thinking about okay, how do we get to that next phase, and are we ready for that true scale? I think that's where we're at, right, in terms of, of where we are as a business. Seven years, we still like that first day feels like yesterday, and but Arthur and I both have a lot more gray in our hairs. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to so I have a standard question I ask now. Yeah according to the script, but I'm actually going to not do that one. We'll get to that one. I got to okay. ask, you come off just the way you speak about saleshood, the way you tell the story, there's this deep conviction of, I, I see the vision of where I'm going and we know what we're doing and we know what we need. Yeah. There's this certainty and this centeredness that I think is really cool. I know for a fact that, you know, at least within the Salesforce culture, you guys are, you, you, you guys are big on V2 moms how much of that has translated over to like, how do you get this clear vision, clear, like just line of sight that I feel as you talk about this, how do you get that in within salesho today? And has any of those sure. Salesforce translated over? For, first, let me just say that seven years, you, you get clear and you watch a market evolve and mature and, and it tests you as you go through it. And I can tell you, it wasn't always clear. Even We weren't, always clear, we weren't always clearly articulating what it is, the problem that we're solving, why we're solving it. And it's taken us some time to get here. We did do the VC up and down, a lot of meetings, a lot of VCs were like, we don't quite get what you're saying. We don't understand what you're saying. And, and that happened. And finally I gave up. I'm like, okay, let's just keep going. Yeah. And fortunately we could. We, we do take, we do V2 mom here. So vision values, we do kick off the year with a V2 mom vision statement. We do have values that have guided us from the very beginning of the company. I think, and that vision statement is on our website and that vision statement is reinforced in our weekly team, all hands calls reinforced in what we do reinforced in our product vision and our product roadmap. And you got to have alignment. And so the big lesson I learned from Mark, besides just all the awesomeness of cloud and, and creating markets and SaaS, like all that stuff, just we just, a lot of us at Salesforce just assimilated it by being around Mark. Yeah. But the, the real thing was alignment. Yeah. And the way you build a company, the way you build a culture is by getting people aligned. And the way you get aligned is by being purposeful with the words that you share and making sure that you repeat them over and over. And, and I'll give you, I'll give you an example. That like after Mark promoted me and, and said, you're responsible for VP sales enablement. He then, and, and then he called me, he's, Hey, I want to tell you what sales enablement means here. And I said, okay, great. Tell me. And he goes, I want to go anywhere around the world, New York, Sydney, Tokyo. And I want to hear the same message, like a drumbeat. I want everybody to be exactly on message. I want to hear the same words. I want to hear the same stories and I want people to own it. Yeah. You got to make that happen. So he takes the concept of alignment, drives it at every level, every initiative, every division, every department, everything is alignment, alignment. And, and I'm big on that. And alignment also comes with 
open, transparent communications. And, and I think those are big things for us. But yeah, Arthur and I think we got to keep people aligned. And, and I don't mean that with a stick. I just mean with open, transparent communications. And yeah, V2 Mom's big here for me. That's, and, and yeah, I, those guys. I, I can feel it. And for those like in the audience, if you're not familiar with V2 Mom, it's a framework that is used at Salesforce to define your vision, values. It, it, like you use it to actually define where you're going, why it's important, how you're going to measure it. And I, what I found uh, is every billionaire has their own version of a VTM. <laughs> so I didn't, I never worked for Mark Benioff at Salesforce, but I did work for Ray Dalio at Bridgewater and Bridgewater is one of the he's best. Got his. And he's got his own a v, version of VTM. It's, it's the same damn thing, but they have their own like twist on it. Yep. It's true. And, and so I've worked at Bridgewater and I've also worked with Vista and they, they also have their own framework. And what I learned is having a clear framework to follow, to set the vision and how you're going to measure it and get alignment with the team. Like you can hear it in a CEO's voice when they do it properly. You can hear it in every mm. employee's voice in the company. And that makes a big difference, I feel. By the way, I, I appreciate the kind words. And you also know when people are not aligned and you can right. feel it. And when folks aren't aligned, you got to take action. Yeah. And, and you got to take action and in a compassionate way, but alignment is there to keep folks because you want to make sure everyone that's with you is, is with you. Yeah. Like really with you, like in their heart and soul, because working at startups and, and founding companies is really hard work because if it was easy, everyone would do it. You've heard that before. And this is hard and, and you're going to get way. tested and tried and, and uh, you know, you're going to, the inner voice is going to keep on. Maybe I'm just having a little therapy right now, but <laughs> that's important. actually what this podcast is like. It's yeah. only for founders that both listeners and guests are people that are going actively going through the Shawshank crawl. So in a way it's collective therapy is really what it is. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I, I appreciate it too. Awesome. I want to dig into this a little bit. You're interesting in that you have the product background, the sales background, You've got the CTO that clearly is passionate about building great technology. Great SaaS businesses, and I talk about this a lot, is great SaaS businesses have three pillars, product, market, go-to-market. You've been very, you've had conviction around market. How, at this stage, you're like approaching 10 million profitable. You're looking to grow even more. You're in a great space with sales and enablement. How do you spend your time? How do you balance efforts across the company between these three pillars? You've made it clear that market, you're like, you're married to the market. You're not going to get distracted but between go to market and product. Yeah. What's the, what do you, how do you make that decision? How do you make that tough decision? It's survival first is critical. I think never run out of money. And I think that's step one. Like you just got to keep going. And, and we've done a good job making sure that happens. And, and, and so there's no issue there. We never do. I think I haven't, we haven't had the luxury to do some of the things that other SaaS startups have done that have raised a lot of money. And, and so I've had to be really clear uh, with myself and to prioritize where, where I put emphasis and focus. And the area that I haven't done as, as much focus on is on the amplification of the message, the articulation of this clear conviction of the problem that we're solving. It's, it hasn't been amplified because I haven't been able to prioritize the marketing function. And, and I'm actively recruiting now a VP marketing and, and feel good about that. And that's going to help me scale that piece of the business. But I think customer centricity is always number one. So we're always, I'm personally a CEO. I'm looking at my calendar every week and I'm making sure there's a big proportion of my time spent on new customers and existing customers. And like, I'm talking at least 30 to 40% of my week yeah. is on calls, speaking to CEOs, speaking to VPs of sales, speaking to enablement folks, either 
who are existing customers or new customers. Because I love, I want to hear from them, right? We're creating a market. And the only way that we're going to be able to continue to evolve it and differentiate is to always be at the pulse of what's happening. And the folks in our community are at the pulse, both new and, uh, and existing. And, and it goes hand in hand with product, right? And I think it's an interesting point, right? I'm a product-centric CEO who has a lot of sales in his DNA, who is driving the, the go-to-market as well. It's good. And it also sets the bar high for sales leaders. I don't know, man. That sounds like there would be a lot of inner conflict. Like I'm... I'm I now, I always was more product centric CEO and that yeah. hurt me. So then I learned how to get much more adept at go to market. And nowadays I try to find this balance between go to market and product. And it's a tough balance to- So in, my, in, in an ideal world, as, I, as we get to the next level of growth, I've got the right go to market team there that will drive it. And that way I can take my hands off the wheel. Yeah. And because I've spent the last few months really going deep on some of the product, the market's been evolving, the market's been maturing. There's been a lot of new entrants. A lot of people have raised a ton of money. And so the competitive landscape has become a little more heated, which has forced us to get really clear on our vision and our roadmap and where are we going to focus. And, and so I've really reconnected with my product management roots in the last, you know, literally the last three, four months. Yeah. And uh, almost feels like the early days back in the first year and the second year when Arthur and I were whiteboarding and mapping out the products in those early years with just a handful of engineers. And, and I've been loving it. It's been, I've been loving these last few months of just getting my hands back on the platform and shaping it again and working with the PMs and working with the engineers. It's, it's amazing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to scale the company as I bring on the right go-to-market folks. And I've got two good sales leaders. Uh, I'm looking for a head of marketing and I've got co-sales leaders is our current model. And, and Arthur covers all product and engineering. A couple other gaps we got to fill, but I can say this, I'm spread a little thin. <laughs> you, can probably, you can probably tell that and folks listening are going, wait a minute, he's doing too much. <laughs> you do, you, but you do what you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, especially uh, one of my favorite posts, Jason Lemkin had this and it was cathartic when I was, when I was going through this. He had a post that was titled, The Cavalry is Coming. And but you can sense it's just like when you're in that stage where you're scaling, but you don't have the full team build and you've got to recruit a couple of directors and VPs and you're, the cavalry is coming. And when it does, then it becomes relatively easier if you make the right hires. So it, it is yeah. certainly a... So hiring has been the hardest thing. Yeah, I can imagine. Like I, I did not anticipate how hard hiring would be when we founded this company. And I think two founders are great in, in, in a future world you know, perhaps maybe having a third founder where you bring in that third pillar. So that way there's clarity of, I'm not suggesting there's no regrets. Like I'm super grateful. Everything's amazing. Yeah. yeah, totally. but, but looking for people that are passionate about the vision and the mission and that are willing to show up with the same amount of gusto as, as, as founders is so hard. You know that TK It's so hard. I, w I was um, a solo founder. I was lucky enough to have a few people with me that care yeah. almost as much. When you're founder, the, the way you care about the baby, it, it's unparalleled. No matter how much the other person cares like that you hired, it's not going to be the same. I, I never would have been able to do this without Arthur. Yeah. Arthur knows he never would have been able to do this with me. And we're so grateful for each other for that. Uh, it's a it, it match made in heaven. We found each other at the right times in our lives and the opportunity was there. Yeah, I don't, I can't, like, I, I don't know how you did it, solo founder. And I look at Eric at Zoom, how he did Zoom on his own. It's, but you got to have good lieutenants. You got to have good people that are with you. And the only way, so a lot of solo founders never make it. And I think the ones that do end up having 
a small group of people that end up being the ex post facto type of co-founder type. And I was lucky to have a small group of people that ended up being just as good. And I was purely lucky for having that. And that's only where I got through it, to be honest. Wow. That's great. And a great outcome. Um, okay. I want to start wrapping here. Like you're going through the Shawshank crawl. You've been doing this yep. for seven years. So you, you've figured out a bunch of stuff for the other founders in the audience that are also actively doing the Shawshank crawl to this next stage of growth, building B2B SaaS businesses. What's the one piece of advice you would have for them as they're being CEO, as being founders? Like what's one thing that's really helped you in your journey to get to this point, approaching that unstoppable 10 million ARR point? Yeah. So the one thing, and, and I believe what's kept us true to our vision and what's kept us really connected as a founder team is we know we're solving a real revenue problem that people are willing to pay money for. And, and it's got, it can't just, you can't just take tech and try and look for a problem to solve. You got to solve a problem first and then solution it and really solve it and make your company and your platform and your system and so whatever it is that you're building needs to be purpose-built to solve that problem if you really want to have the staying power and not just get squeezed out by uh, knockoffs. And I think to me, that's the most important piece of advice, one of the most important pieces of advice I like to share right now. That's awesome. I, I want to thank you for joining. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I loved I it. It's, it. Again, it's too early in the day to have scotch, but I hope we are able to get some actual scotch in person, maybe in San Francisco at some point, because I do expect to go back there often once COVID yes. passes. Cheers to you as well, my friend. I will close out here. Uh, if you liked this episode, please let us know by tweeting out this episode and mentioning us. There's a click to tweet link in the episode description. There's also links to Saleshood and Eli's LinkedIn profile. You can get in touch with him through those links as well. And if you are a SaaS founder and you want to grow your SaaS business faster, be sure to also check out my YouTube channel. We do three episodes and actionable strategies. Just go to tkk.com slash YouTube. And lastly, remember, everyone needs a strategy for their life and their business. When you are with us, yours will be unstoppable. I'm TK, and I'll see you in the next episode.